As operators in business, we are always trying to find efficiencies. And luckily, HubSpot has brought even more efficiencies to the business and to teams just like the ones that we're running. This efficiency that I'm talking about is called the Campaign Assistant. It is an AI chatbot. It is totally free to use, and it's gonna be perfect for you and for the marketing team that you are leading or collaborating with. You know, we spend hours a day on content creation for these businesses, and this tool is going to save the day. It's gonna transform the way that you build campaigns at scale. You're gonna be able to craft personalized emails, ads, landing pages in just a matter of minutes. You get to pick the content type, add your selling points, and AI will take it from there. It sounds like a dream, and it's gonna save us tons of money and time, and we're gonna be able to do this at a much greater scale. So if you're in the market for all of this goodness, then make your way to hubspot.com slash campaign dash assistant. This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Happy end of year. Welcome back to another episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Gingrich. And this time of year, it is super natural. It's one of those things I actually look forward to it every year. And this is the time of year to do a big reflection, just to take some time. Sometimes it's quiet time and other times it is doing this reflection amongst a group of people. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. For the past two years at this time of year, I have pulled together some amazing peers and people who have the heart of service providers top of mind for them, just like I do. And we come together to do a state of the union. This gives me an awesome opportunity to gather bigger perspectives. Like I still need to do that thinking and reflection on my own. But when we come together, there's a lot of learnings and growth and opportunities and innovation that happens. And this is our time to bring together some collective thoughts for each other, but also for you guys. As I have been sitting with my own reflection of 2023, I've made a few notes that I wanted to share with you all. And to kick this off, it looks like business is going to continue to balance out, and that's what it's done this year. So some people have been discouraged, but it's really only because lots of people, your peers, my peers, have entered into business between the years of 2019 and 2022. And I said this last year and I say it, I feel like I say it several times throughout the year, but those were inflated years. It felt so good and our profit margins were really high, but at the same time, that was not really business reality. And the biggest driver in all of this change is that the economy has shifted and that's no secret. So hard facts, the economy is always going to be ever-changing, but this is more indicative of what business really looks like. What we experienced in 2023 is a good picture for you to get rooted in, in what real business looks like. And so, you know, process that and then start to devise a plan around that. The good thing is that service providers are absolutely required to grow and scale businesses and resources are going to continue to go towards that just like they have this year, service providers in itself, the the need to get the work done, the need to have strategy, the need to trust the strategy, the need to have people to and experts to be able to get these things done, that is still going to be very, very necessary. And so as a service provider, know that you have more stability than a lot of other people in other industries. So we've got some pluses on that side. The service provider support industry has become more diverse this year, meaning we've seen some people leave business ownership and fulfill the same type of roles, but now as an employee. And this is definitely different from the years past when the economy looked different. 
You ladies know how easy it is to start a business. And I think that put a lot of us in the driver's seat. And now that the economy looks different, I feel like more people are looking for safety. And so that safety comes by not going down the marketing and sales and conversion to get the clients. And so full-time or employment in general has become more sexy, I would say, in 2023. In the end, the services that we are providing are still needed, but providers have more flexibility in how they want to perform them. And so we've got options. And I'm so glad to see that so many of us are going down the path of doing and leveraging the skills that come natural for us, because that's where we find ease, fulfillment, and happiness. And I know that we are all in search of that. So in today's podcast, we're going to focus on 2023, what worked and what opportunities that we have as service providers. And to do that, I have invited six of my peers who are all educators of service providers of varying specialties. So some are going to be on the front side of business, meaning the marketing, and some are going to be on the back side like me in operations. We also represent different business models like consulting and agency, project-based work, and even retainers. And this is just a great and varied perspective as we look in reverse. I don't want to do this just by myself. I want to talk to you guys and meet you guys where you are. So having you know different perspectives as well as different business models, I find is really valuable. These women are tapped into what is working and what's challenging for employers and businesses, and most importantly for you, exactly what you're here for, right? So I want you to listen to today's conversation with these incredible leaders and come back next week because we have one more episode in this two-part series where we're going to wrap up 2023 with these same ladies. Next week's episode is going to be about equipping service providers as you guys begin to strategize for 2024 and what lies ahead. So Think of this episode as reflecting back on 2023 and next week's episode as looking forward to 2024. Without further ado, let's hear from our guest. I'll kick off our intros today. So hello, hello. I am Natalie Gingrich. I am the CEO and the founder of The Ops Authority. I'm also the author and creator of the Director of Operations Certification Program, We are an educational company who partners with high-achieving, high-level operators who are looking to fill in the gaps, who are looking to advance their careers in the operational space, and we do that through our certification program. You can find me here on this podcast every single week, and you can also join us at theopsinsiders.com, which is our free Facebook group, and it's a thriving community for operators just like you. I've asked everyone to share the highlight of their year at the end of their introduction, so I wanted to add mine as well. And the highlight of my year is really my team. It is the thing that has kept me going, has kept me inspired, and their innovation. I think our collaboration and the culture that is finally coming out, you know, it takes a little bit to build a culture inside of a company. And now we have, most of our employees have been here for two plus years, and I'm really starting to see the impacts of, you know, them just feeling at home. We're all connected deeply on this mission and everyone is serving at such a high level that it's really come full circle. And I believe that we're doing our best work ever because of the amazing talent that we have and how connected we are to what and who we are serving. So that is my highlight for the year. Hey, I'm so happy to be back this year. I wasn't able to join you guys last year, but Natalie, thank you for pulling this together. I think it's such a great resource for everybody. My name is Lauren Golden. I am an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of the Free Mama Movement, where I help ambitious women fill their hearts and their bank accounts by learning how to start, grow, and scale an online business that will fund their dream life. You can connect with me personally on Facebook. My favorite place to hang out is in the Free Mama Facebook group. And the highlight of my year this year has been taking my virtual business into real life. We've had four events. We had Free Mama Live and three Finder Free Retreats. They are just very fulfilling, profitable. They get my students massive results and they are just super fun. Hey, I'm Emily Reagan. I'm so excited to be back here. I have a business teaching women, a lot of go-getters, military spouses, stay-at-home moms, and professional women to become marketing assistants. It's the work I have done freelancing for over 14 years. I took the skills that I had as a military spouse 
had a hard time finding work every time we PCSed and was able to build a career for myself in the online space that PCS is with me. And I have a school where I teach the actual marketing services. And you can find me at Unicorns Unite. It's my podcast where I talk to other freelancers, a lot of marketing professionals, so we can all get better with our marketing services. And that's, again, Unicorns Unite. My highlight of the year was getting my business to reward me. And I think there's a reason I'm not working down the street at Capital One right now, even though that six-figure salary is sometimes tempting. But I need freedom, flexibility, the things Lauren's talking about. And I had my business pay for a retreat to Cancun. I went swimming with the whale sharks, worked on an ad strategy and some marketing stuff, but I had my business pay for it. And I really think that's why we're all here to be able to have that freedom giving life where we get to choose how we spend our time, who we work with, what we do and all of that. So thanks for having me. Hey there, my name is Tasha Booth. I think of myself as the definition of a multi-passionate entrepreneur because I do lots of things. First and foremost, I own the Launch Guild, which is a launch management agency working with established coaches and course creators. I'm also a coach to agency owners and I have two certifications for launch specialists, one for launch managers and one for launch tech specialists. I'm also the podcast host for How She Did That Podcast, which has been around for five years this year, crazy sauce. And I am just loving all of it. My highlight this year has definitely been the fact that I hosted my first conference, which was Agency Live. It was so super fun. My team got to fly in to support. My husband took days off to support as well, which has been absolutely fantastic. You can find me at TashaBooth.com. I hang out on Instagram way too much at the Tasha Booth, And my podcast, of course, is how she did that. Hello, I'm Melissa Froelich. I am so excited to be back here again, joining such a powerful group of women. I am a business alignment strategist and coach, and I really focus on helping female founders create a business that supports their lifestyle. So very strengths-led, values-based approach. So that's my passion. I do that with private coaching, consulting, and group programs. One place that you can find me is on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on there, especially in stories. It's really where I'm able to be present in this season of my life, being a mom of an almost six-year-old. So it allows me to jump in and jump out. So feel free to connect with me there. It really is me in the DMs. One thing that really stood out to me this year as a highlight was just wrapping up just last week. I'm still on a high, but hosting a retreat that was beyond my wildest dreams. We had eight women who came in from all over the world and I hosted it right here in Destin, Florida. And it was just the icing on the cake for this year. So it's got me lit up about what's coming for next year and just really seeing so many women pour into themselves and support one another, which is what we're going to do today. So thanks for having me. Hey guys, my name is Michaela Quinn and I run the Live Free Academy where I help moms start freelancing businesses so they can ditch their day jobs and have more time to spend with their families. The best place to find me is Instagram. I hang out there way too much too. <laughs> I'm at Michaela.Quinn over there. Very active in the DM. So shoot me a message. And then the highlight of my year has definitely been cutting back my working hours. So this past September, I have four kids, the three older, like life is just going way too freaking fast. So I made time during the day while we have our nanny to add in one-on-one -on -one time with each of the three older kiddos. So Tuesday mornings, I go to dance with my three-year-old. Wednesdays, I go to mass with my eight-year-old. And then Thursdays, I end my workday at 1130 and pick my five-year-old five up from preschool and we do mommy Tommy time before he goes off to kindergarten next year. So that's been the highlight. And not only like in doing that since September, we haven't seen a dip in revenue at all or student results. So it's just been such a great shift for me for the next hopefully couple of years. Hey, hey, y'all. I'm Jordan Gill, and I run System Saved Me, have been for a little over seven years. And what I specialize in and offer are a few things. I play and dabble, but I specialize around VIP days. So being able to provide immense value in a single day within 24 hours. And I also talk a lot about collaboration and business and how you can really grow and have a robust business with referral partners and joint ventures and simple things like list swaps and guest podcasting. So those are the things that I specialize and am known for. I generally do work with service providers, about 70%, uh, about 30% are coaches, course creators, et cetera. 
One place that you can find me is Instagram. It is still my jam. I love being over there. It's just at systems saved me. And that's plural systems, because not just one system can save you. And then the highlight of my 2023 was honestly this like homecoming that I'm having right now, where like I started my business and I kept it real simple. I worked three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I had one VIP day a week, two days for sales and marketing. And I was able to heal and focus on my family and whatnot during that period. And in this literally very recent moment, I am going back to that. It feels really good. So that honestly is the highlight because I did some awesome, amazing, really big things in the past couple of years with my Done Today program, having 600 plus students and having several team members. And it stretched me and challenged me in many, many ways. And in this season that I'm in right now, I'm just craving this like very nostalgic homecoming. That's what I'm kind of calling it. And I just think that what's so cool about being an entrepreneur is you can do that. (laughs) You can do that. So that, that definitely is the highlight of my year. The HubSpot Podcast Network has brought even more shows into my podcast feed. And one of those that I want to share with you guys is This Old Marketing. It's a show that's hosted by Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose. I've been listening to them because they are experts in content marketing, and that's always an area that I want to get better at as a business owner. And then I also want to know more about so that I can educate you operators. Here recently, they've been talking a whole lot about AI, and as you know, it's not going anywhere, and they bring an educational and an entertaining way of teaching me all about what is happening in the marketing space. So I hope you guys will listen to This Old Marketing wherever you get your podcast. Wow, ladies, it is so fun to bring all of us together. I have individual relationships of different degrees with every single one of us. And it's just, it's cool for us to all get together. And I know you guys feel the same excitement. But as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, the reason that we curate and pull all of us together is each and every one of us has been a service provider at some point. We got to the point where we were replicating our skills and we do that by building relationships as well as creating programs, certifications, and events. You heard that through and through right here. I myself had an event this year, so you can see live events are back in action. We might dive into a little bit of that today in the responses to the questions that we have prepared. But that's how I have curated this group. These are women who are a lot like you. We are all service providers at heart. We have the gift of going above and beyond and serving other people. We have also recognized where our skills and talents are, whether that may be marketing, whether that may be you know, visibility, whether that is operations like me. We all have a gift that we have recognized and others have recognized and encouraged us to multiply our efforts. And so I just want to make sure that you guys know as listeners that each of us have a servant's heart. We have all been in the place of serving clients. And the biggest reason that we are pulled together today is the fact that we are here to help you to be that strategist in your ear today, to help you reflect on what we did, what happened, what we went through in 2023, even more exciting than that, which I believe reflection is really, really important. But the greater piece is in the next episode where we're going to talk all about what we are looking forward to in 2024. And it's important to know that while our business models have changed, one of the things that stands true and the reason that we're pulled together today is that we are supporting you in your journey to become your next best self in a bunch of different ways. And so we are tapped into you as a service provider, as well as what the bigger business market is doing, because that's affecting us as CEOs. So thank you all for being here. And I'm excited to dive into this. So I've prepared a couple of questions for us to work through and all of us are going to be able to respond. And I know it's going to be super hard for us to not chime in on all of these questions because 
They're the questions that we have running around our minds as we are supporting our students and clients and friends and talking with our peers. But at the same time, it is also, you know, these are top of mind for me. So I think that you'll enjoy this conversation. So we're going to start off with this question. What do you see as the greatest obstacle facing operators or service providers this past year. So 2023 has been a definitely a different year. It is showing up from an economical perspective, buying patterns. I've got a list of things that have really changed in the world of business in this year. And the interesting and realistic part is it's not just affecting you and your small business. It's affecting every small business and it's also affecting all levels of business. So corporate is being impacted, global, it does not matter the type of business. You're seeing different buying behaviors and patterns. You're seeing people stretch money in a different way. And you probably felt the exact same thing. But while that is happening, there's still goodness happening. So anyway, I wanted to have a little bit of real talk as we look back on what 2023 brought us. Lauren, what do you see as the greatest obstacle facing your people this year? Yeah, before I dive in, I was kind of joking with everybody in the chat. So if you're like me, you might be an early bloomer. My 2022 almost broke me. And this was actually a little bit of a recovery year for me. But, and I'll get to this in a second, it required really big changes in my business. It required looking at very different offers, changing the structure. I've always been a course creator. I don't sell courses anymore at all. I moved to a membership model. So even at like the higher level, a lot of things changed. I put a lot of focus on what am I enjoying? What's most profitable? I moved to doing these retreats. It's where a huge amount of my income came from this year. And it brings me a huge amount of fulfillment. So I know this is more tomorrow, but just so you guys know, there are people who, even when things are hard economically, there are people who are winning and you just have to figure out how to make those pivots and adapt. Because my husband, who's a Google ads manager, shout out Justin Golden. Anyway, he is also having his best year ever in business. So it is possible even when it's hard. With that said, I'm a business coach for freelancers. So I've heard a lot of stuff happening this year. I think the biggest obstacle facing operators isn't new. It's still getting clients. But where is three, four, five years ago, all I was coaching is how to be visible, how to feel confident, how to network, how to market. I think the conversation has changed tremendously. I have people who have been in my world for three, four, five years who are going, my big clients that I've been with for years just let me go. They had to scale back. Like what I used to do to market myself is no longer effective. And so I think it's about How do we figure out when we're trying to find clients, how to position ourselves no longer as a commodity? You're now competing with things like chat GPT and a hugely saturated market where people now have caught on to what people like Michaela and I teach. It's not hard to start a virtual assistant business, guys. You finally believe us, which is amazing, but it also means to market yourself and find clients, you better find a way to stand out and not be somebody that just is going to fill the tasks. You got to create experiences. I know we're going to get into some of this tomorrow. I'm just so excited to be here, but that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is how do I find clients? How do I bring in revenue? That's the definition of a business, but the questions that people are asking about how to find clients look very, very different this year. Melissa, what are your thoughts? Oh man, I love this question. And I've been really, really pondering it because of course there's a lot of things that come up. So I really went back through and looked for themes and data points to kind of distill my answer so that those of you listening can have something really clear to focus on in my experience, in my opinion. That's the beauty of this podcast because you're getting a lot of experts talking today about what they're seeing in their world. So this is my experience and what I'm seeing. But if I had to say the number one obstacle, it's really the lack of self-trust and the fear of getting it wrong. So those things really are a silent killer of motivation, momentum, and confidence. And so I'm seeing so many women who are amazing at what they do, just get absolutely paralyzed in terms of what to do next because they've lost sight in terms of knowing how to trust themselves. So when we can come back to sitting with our thoughts and our overwhelm or the fact that marketing our services isn't working the way that it did last year or whatever the thing is, and just really tap into how did we do it in the beginning before we knew all of these things. And that's a problem. 
it, it's a double-edged sword. There's so much amazing information out there, but it can also really, really get in the way and keep us stuck. And then there's the piece of the, you know, shiny object syndrome. And we start looking outside of ourselves for the answers. So really, if you can come back to yourself and lean into knowing that you are going to get it right and the outcome may not be what you're originally imagining, but if you take action based on your values and what works for you, and like Lauren mentioned, this might be pivoting. This might be changing your offer stack. This might be doing something that you never, ever imagined. But when it's rooted in feeling good for you, the outcome is going to pay huge dividends. And I know that that feels potentially ambiguous, right? Trusting myself, like what does that mean? But I just really encourage you to take some time to sit with what do you know to be true? Think back to times when you have done really hard things that you never imagined were going to be possible, like starting your business in the online space, becoming a service provider. That didn't just happen overnight, right? You did the work and you leaned on yourself. And now you have access to so many resources and so many incredible people to help lead you. But make sure that you're trusting yourself to choose what you are doing and what information you're taking in that it makes sense for you and what you need. And it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to completely go in a different direction if it's rooted in what makes sense for you. Oh, I love that. That's like coaching me at the same time because <laughs> I, I recently was just telling somebody when I look back at you know 10 years ago, eight years ago, I would never have expected this version of me. And the only reason that this Natalie exists today is because I had to trust myself because you'll never take the first step if you don't trust yourself. So if you're listening to this podcast, you got here because you have trusted yourself enough to get to this point in your business and in your career. Most of us, I would say, actually, I, I know that these are hyperbolic, but I bet 100% of the people that are listening to this podcast today have bet on themselves more than they give them credit for. And that's, you're right. You're so right, Melissa. And all the people that I'm coaching, the hundreds of people inside of our community, one of the things that comes up in moments of what feels like instability is that they get worried, they get fearful, and that fear takes away their belief and their trust in themselves. So thank you for getting really real. I appreciate that. Michaela, what do you think is the greatest obstacle for your people this year? Since I'm in the space of helping them start, a lot of them haven't really started their business yet, or maybe they've tried a different business that just didn't work out for them. It's always the same thing the obstacle they're facing. It's themselves. The fear, the doubts, like you mentioned, and trusting themselves. The fears of who will hire me? What if this doesn't work out? The market is saturated. This seems too hard. It's not that hard. Lauren, you said like it's easier than ever to get started. The big thing you need, like that big question is where to find clients. I think in the past couple of years, we've talked about this a little bit on each of the past seasons. The pool of people hiring service businesses is changing. And that is so exciting because that is creating more and more opportunities for all of us. Natalie, you mentioned in the beginning, one of the obstacles is, especially like in small businesses and companies and budget cuts that they're making, companies that have like even, oh, how would I classify them? Like professional service-based business, financial services. One of my students, she works with people and her clients are in that sector. And she just got up, brought on a new client who let go of six or seven employees, full-time employees, which that sucks. But it is creating more and more opportunities for freelancers because that business can't just stop all marketing efforts. They had to make budget cuts because buying patterns are changing. And so they, they went to her and were like, hey, you know, this is a huge feat, but we're wanting to replace our six to seven employees with you and your services. And so that last time I chatted with her, she was um, negotiating like a 10 to $15,000 retainer monthly to take that over, which sounds like a lot, but that's a huge project and also a huge savings for them. And so there's new opportunities happening every day. When I got started, a lot of us started kind of around that same time frame. It was mostly online business owners who were hiring influencers or online course creators or people who had digital e-commerce based businesses. It is changing and changing. And that is so exciting. And so while there are challenges with maybe certain clients, 
common theme. If you face a challenge, don't let that knock you down for too long. Evaluate it. Like you are smart, you are talented, you are capable to find a solution and pivot. Yeah, I so agree with that. I would say to sum this up for me, and we have said this a little bit along the way, but people being resistant to change and trying to force a round peg in a square hole. Is that how you, whatever you guys get the idea, but being resistant to change, we're going to talk about innovation later on in this episode, but as you know, I support service providers and high level, you know, service providers. And so by our natural innate patterns, we tend to be kind of stiff people. We try to see things or we see things very realistically So stretching that creativity muscle, stretching that innovation muscle can be difficult for us, but the resistance to change. And we've had a lot of opportunities, as Michaela was mentioning, service providers is who I'm talking about right now. We've had a lot of opportunities this year. I see it in people who are sourcing for positions. Yes, there have been cutbacks. Yes, there have been shifts, but business still has to get done. And service providers are the people who have the greatest opportunity here because businesses are not going to scale all the way back. They're not going to take the risk of having no internal labor. And so they may be looking for, business owners may be looking for labor in more creative ways and in different packages, if you will. So when I say resistance to change, one thing that's been a big theme inside of our community is we're seeing people finally open up and being receptive to changing who they work with, changing how they work. And one of the greatest shifts that I have seen bring a lot of relief, confidence, trust, and leadership out of people is moving from having your own business into being a full-time employee or a dedicated resource, even a dedicated, you know, IC or independent contractor for somebody. But people are looking in moments of instability. It is natural. It is innate. It is in us to look for safety and security. That is the way God designed us, right? And so I see people wanting and desiring that and business just feels unsteady. It feels hard because of what Lauren, going back to what Lauren said, And what she said is not new. Marketing and visibility is one of the most difficult, challenging pieces for service providers because our gift is in service, right? It is not natural for the majority of us to market and to become visible. There's a very small percentage of people who can balance those two things. But the resistance to change has been there. I do see it at this moment starting to open up and I've seen a lot of freedom come out of that. So my encouragement to you, albeit the obstacles that all of us have faced, and maybe we didn't sum up every single one, but these are the ones that we have seen in our audiences you know, the encouragement that I want you to know is that it is within you and it is up to you to understand what your basic needs are right now and to adapt to them. And they don't have to be who you were in the past. You don't have to lower your rates. You don't have to work with a lesser audience. You don't have to do all of that. It may just be changing in a way that that you may not see today. So lean on leaders like us, lean on your friends, your family to help them cast a vision for where you could be. Because I know I've seen some substantial freedom and relaxation and ease, which those are big time words for every single person talking to you today from people changing their business model and who they're working with, the type, the classification, if you will. When I say that, I mean, going from, you know, working with three or four clients to being dedicated to one and going all in and more of that intrapreneur philosophy that I think a lot of service providers just naturally have. So Let's move on to our next question. And we've got Melissa and Tasha and Jordan here. So we've talked about these, you know, this different time in 2023. And, you know, that comes from a lot of different places, many challenging places. So what motivated you now, instead of talking about the service provider, I want to get a glimpse into your life and how that is working for you. But what has encouraged you and motivated you to stay in the game and serve your audience this year? And we'll start with Melissa. Okay. So I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory to this because I think it's really important. 
especially because I'm going to guess that a number of you are going to relate with this. So I came into the online space in 2016. I left a cushy corporate job because I married an active duty Air Force fighter pilot, gave it all up, started over in the online space and really, really started growing my business with a lot of ease, if I'm being honest, because things were different then. And so my measure of success kind of got warped over the past couple of years. And so I was doubling what I had done in business year over year, and things were going super fast. And then comes 2023, kind of 2022, and things started to shift quite a bit in not only my life, but in the business space. We moved several times. So to kind of paint that picture as to like, where did my motivation come from when things got tough? It really came to taking my own medicine. My approach to working with my clients is really looking at who are they as a person? What are their values? What do they truly want? And how are they defining success to support that instead of defining success based on everyone else's terms? So this year, my motivation came to coming back to me in this season of life and looking at what was important in terms of my lifestyle and my values. And so that meant redefining what success looked like. It was not about continuing to double my revenue. And not that I don't love money and not that I don't absolutely love profit. I think that those things are really important, but that cannot be your only measure of success in my opinion, because there are so many other factors. So my motivation came from looking at the lifestyle that I created and the lifestyle that I wanted to continue to live and looking at how was that going to be possible in the easiest way? Because I'm not here to say like, I subscribe to hustling all day, every day. I'm all about rolling up my sleeves and getting work done, but I'm also the mom of a almost six-year-old. So it needs to be sustainable. So I really came back to looking at what is it that I want right now in this season of life? How do I get that in a way that is not going to compromise my lifestyle? And how can I create this next version of business in a way that feels really good to me. So it's really looking at how was I measuring success? Was I comparing it to how I'd done it in 2016 and 2018 and 2020? Those metrics did not fit in 2022 and 2023. So really reevaluating how I was measuring my own success. So that's where the motivation came to be able to say, I get to do this my way and I can celebrate the woman on my left and the woman on my right who's also doing it her way and maybe her version of success this year looks like a wildly, wildly successful revenue year. Great. I want to be present with my daughter. I want to be present with my husband. I want to spend time like messing around with my flowers. And that doesn't mean that I have to make myself wrong for being okay with less revenue because I can also measure my amount of joy. So all of that to say, I found the motivation within and coming back to what was important to me and not being swayed by what was important to someone else, because that's so easy to do. So it's the balance of being able to say, this is what's important for me, and I can celebrate what's important for the woman next to me. Tasha? Yeah, I definitely resonate with everything you just said, Melissa. And I want to actually paint my own picture because 2022 similar to Lauren, was the year that almost broke me. I had a super traumatic beginning of my year. Natalie knows all about this because I was all up in her boxers for a lot of the year with a huge team changeover that made me reevaluate if I wanted to do this because I felt like I was starting over, especially in terms of team and doing so much of it alone. I spent a lot of that year in deep grief in therapy and just figuring out what I wanted. And I'll be honest that I I hired somebody to write my resume. I was just like, do I want to do this anymore? Am I done with this chapter of my life and what I wanted to do? And I had to kind of like go all the way back to my college years to find the answer. Reason being that my degree is in musical theater. And one of the first things that professors do to you in musical theater is you walk into the room and they say, if you can think of doing anything else in your life, go do that because this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done being a professional in musical theater. And back then I literally could not think of anything else I wanted to do. So I was in musical theater professionally full-time for 12 years and loved it. And then when I got to the point of where I could think of something else that I wanted to do, I went and did that. And that kind of, you know, in roundabout way led me to where I am now. So I had to dig deep and ask myself that question again, 
is there anything else I can imagine doing in my life right now that would bring me the joy that my business brings me on both sides, that my agency brings me, that my team brings me, that the women that I support and watch shine bring me? And the answer was a heck no. I literally couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to do or could do well and find joy in So that is continues to be my motivation because this year, while it hasn't been hard in the same way, it's still been a difficult and challenging year. I also think that my husband is a huge part of my motivation. He has just always been my biggest cheerleader, my absolute rock, my best friend. And there are so many times and have been so many times when he lets me really think not long-term in terms of I need to know the next six months or 12 months or 20 months, but he helps me chunk it down and he'll be like, you know, get through March. And once we get through March, we can reevaluate. And I get through March and then we move on to get through August. And once we get through August, we can reevaluate and decide what you want to do. And knowing that I have that support, that I'm not doing this alone, and that also there's somebody who can pick me up when I feel like I can't do it has just been so absolutely incredible and amazing and supportive. So I think having those support systems, whether it be a spouse or a partner, I also have an amazing group chat full of seven other business women. Some of them have actually gone back to corporate this year, but we all understand the struggle of owning a business and them being able to support me has been amazing as well. And just knowing that there's nothing else that I could or would want to do and seeing what all of the incredible women in my lives are continuing to do all motivating. Jordan, what you got? Yeah. So I double tap everything that as a fellow Instagrammer, that's like, I just want to double tap through everything everyone said. And definitely a big thing with being motivated is ensuring that you're really removing the shame from pivoting and change. Like if you look at the big businesses and what they have to do in hardship, newsflash, they're pivoting, they're changing, they're adjusting, right? Whether it's they're changing their marketing or what they're selling or a combination of both. And even to the layoffs as well, I've I've had to lay off people as well. It's not fun. It's my least favorite thing to do ever in life. At the same time, a business is a business and you have to, and not that we have a lot in common with the bigger businesses and whatnot, but knowing that what we are having to do potentially in our businesses and adjust is what happens, right? It's not new news. And at the same time, it can feel disorienting, but I I think we got to remove the shame because you're going to have to pivot and change in your business here on out. And you probably also did before this. So this is something that happens and with what everyone's talked about of how they've been able to adjust and pivot, it comes down to what you want to do. I think it's a really big blessing when sometimes you are kind of taken off your game to then be like, I want to reevaluate this actually, because I think sometimes when you're just moving and going with how things have always done, you almost don't recognize if something isn't working for you anymore until you are faced with adversity, when you're faced with something that, you know, was difficult. And so I think of it as a blessing because I'm definitely one of those people that will just keep going down the road, you know, if it's working, if it's, you know, nothing is adjusting. And then when something rocks the boat, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Okay. Let me step back. One other thing too, that I like to think about is again, if people aren't buying, they're not paying attention, they're not hiring you and you're getting kind of some friction, again, just because people aren't buying your thing right now doesn't mean that their problems go away, right? Like they don't just disappear. (laughs) They came to you needing a solution and maybe the solution you gave them wasn't quite it. So that gives you an opportunity to actually say, okay, maybe gather some more information about what they want or what they're looking for or adjusting, not because you necessarily need to or or have to have that client, but because it'll give you a little bit of a tuning mechanism to say, okay, I thought that this was the best package for what they're looking for. Maybe I'm not positioning it correctly. Maybe I'm missing a part of something that people really are needing in my offers. And then the next time you're given an opportunity, you can use that adjustment to hopefully get that client or get that service. So I want to encourage you because it's Sometimes like, oh, they didn't buy. So therefore their solution just all of a sudden, like magically just (laughs) uplifts and that's not the case. And so 
adding that extra step of, and it may be uncomfortable, but I always do this of just like, Hey, like, you know, what was it about the offer that didn't work for you? Like, this is not me trying to convince you. I just am trying to learn. I'm trying to understand deeper the problem so that again, I can fine tune the solution as I see fit. I just want to have a three hour conversation on every single question and every single response. (laughs) So I know that that cannot happen, at least on this podcast, but Jordan, thank you. And all of you for sharing what you did. I think for myself, when I think of the motivation and this sounds different, strange, and is oh, so true. I found motivation in me. I found motivation in why I started. I, I can see Jordan, we're on camera as well, but I could see your shirt says, remember your why. I mean, there have been days this year that were very different than my personally in my business in 2020 and 2021. Those were euphoric years. And I knew at that time that this was a fairy tale, but it became my norm. It became what I expected from myself, what I expected from our profit margins, what I expected from the market. And I grew up in business. I grew up with a mother running multiple business. I know that the economy shifts. I grew up in financial services in 2008 when we had a significant recession, right? And a big shift. Like I know these things. And so when I get into those moments of just hardship and challenging myself, I I do, I have to go inside. I cannot look around. And I think Melissa kind of commented on that, but I can't look around and see what Lauren is doing or what Jordan is doing or what anyone, I don't care who it is. You know, it doesn't matter at that point. It's having to come or really relying on me. And that's not to say it's pressure filled. It's looking in at the guts of why I take this risk every single day. And that risk can't be because you love serving other people, right? Like it has to be like, why do we do this? We do this because I know for myself, it's for my kids. And really the motivation, even if it was was lesser profit margins, even if it was a significantly less top line number and financials are business. So I'm, I'm here to tell you that you got to have the numbers regardless of what anyone tells you. The feel good is fine. But if you're going to be in business, the numbers matter. And so, yes, that matters. And for me this year, it was Yes, I love serving my people. I am deeply connected. When I go inside, like Tasha was mentioning, when I go inside and I'm like, man, what would I do? I can't come up with anything. I think Melissa and I had this conversation, like nothing good comes up, right? So I'm still on fire for what I am doing. And I don't want to take that for granted. The thing here, when I say I looked inside, which is what I hope we all do whenever we're faced with just any question. But when I looked inside, it came back to the same word that motivated me to take the leap from corporate into starting my own small business and serving other businesses as a service provider. And that was really legacy, legacy, legacy. My son is in a senior year and that's a huge shift in our house. We have spent our entire, I mean, since he was five years old, we have spent all of our extra time and borrowed time at fields of many sorts, whether that was a football field or whether that was a baseball field. And I knew that this year was going to be different. I knew that we were going to be stepping, you know, this was going to be our last hurrah. And I wanted to fully live it. And this is the exact same reason that I left corporate. Yes, he was a baby at this time. He was nine years old. This is when like, you know, select and club sports were were just getting started for him. And I could feel the shift then. Like I want to be present for that. And this year I said, come hell or high water, even if we have to go lesser in our profit margins, I am not going to launch five times this year. I can't, mama can't do it and be my best for him and for what this family needs for us to be able to do the life that we really have expected from ourselves. And I don't really care how we get to that. That legacy for me is far, far deeper than the risk I'm willing to take. Now, I will lace that with, mama still has to bring money to the table, right? And so I'm fortunate to still be able to be very highly connected and encouraged and motivated to serve in the way that I am. But at the same time, as we move into our next question, really looking into the innovation that has been required of me. Ladies, I like sit in the box. I am your typical 
one thing. If you guys have read that book, like I am your, like I have had a certification program. I have like balled out on this certification program from a, we have gotten every process documented. I mean, someone could come in here and literally sweep in and replicate this program. Of course it wouldn't have me, but it is so tied up. When I say that we have balled out, like this thing is really, really well. We were able to promote someone to take over the management of the program this year. It is it's really like such a product that I've been so proud of, but it's been the only thing I have done probably since I've known the majority of you guys. It is the one thing that I have done. And I see that as a weakness in myself. And I also see it as a strength in myself. And so this year for me, the two words, and you guys, if y'all listened to my reflection episode at the end of 2022, I talked about agile innovation being the two words, the phrase that was going to get me through 2023. And boy, <laughs> that could not have been more true. So I wanted to wrap up this episode by talking about that exact thing, innovation itself. So it is really, really normal when the market or the economy changes, when your buying patterns of your people change, that we're required to become innovative. I couldn't continue to do the same thing I have always done when everything around me is changing. That's the whole square peg in a round hole that I mentioned earlier. So I wanted to tap into Emily and Jordan and Tasha because I've seen you guys do this really, really well. I picked you for this question because I admire the way that you innovate. I have admired how you've prospered and how you've shown up, how you've been true to yourself in this year of 2023. And so what have you seen from an innovation perspective from your service providers, the people that you are in connection and working with? How have you seen them innovate this year? Hey, it's Emily here. I think this is a, a tough and fun question. It's kind of combining what everyone has already spoken about when it comes to business owners really looking at their offers being more profitable, you know, looking to hire more contractors, letting go of teammates. I think I can't talk about this without really acknowledging AI and automation right now, really moving us forward. And it kind of touches on what Jordan is talking about too. And you have permission to adapt and change. And I really think the cliche word of the podcast might be pivot. You're able to create a new job title and a new position for yourself and meet the, your clients where they're at and what they need. And so we're seeing change within offers, within services, within even the types of clients that we're serving. And I just have to point out, and I know you're talking about like your weakness, but the number one soft skill that employers hire for is comfort with ambiguity, like being comfortable with change and being able to take something off the plate and run with it and see it through and just handle that challenge, like that love of learning. And so we do have to embrace it. And I know we kind of talked about that, but this AI and this automation is, I've seen some people in my world very threatened by it, but it's also really helping our business owners be more prolific. They're learning new platforms. We're able to serve more. We're seeing change, not just in marketing, but within customer service. We're seeing like bots replace coaches within programs. And so there's just so much opportunity here. And I think my big lesson would be our advice is to adapt it and make it work into your offer. And I think that this whole idea of AI is kind of replacing a lot of, how do I say this? Like repetitive work, right? There's an opportunity to step up more in management and strategy and really own that and bake that into your offer. Like the what, the implementation is never going away, but how can you kind of create that hybrid offer that meets your clients where they are? And that's kind of very new age right now. And I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things in 2024 with that. So I'm really curious to see what everyone says, because I feel like that's kind of like a blanket answer. But for me, it's just AI and it's just changing so fast. Yeah, we're here in the chat and replacing coaches. I cannot imagine that a bot would ever replace the human connection that is required right. from a coach. But AI is a thing, right? And that's innovation and how you're, I mean, I would say this is maybe looking forward, but I would say that all of us need to have some kind of an AI strategy. You can't be behind the game of AI because it is helpful in your business. It's how you're going to use it in your business and also in your career. I could have another whole podcast on how AI and operators, and maybe I will do that, but how AI is very helpful for you as a service provider. And it doesn't mean that you you get to optimize. AI allows all of us to optimize what we're doing. And it doesn't mean that you charge less. It means that your deliverable is stronger than it ever was. 
So, ooh, you got me going. Thank you for bringing up the AI thing. As I was making some notes in preparation for this, that is definitely something that has been on the top of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to innovation, I think that a lot of times you think, oh my gosh, it has to be this like brand new concept that nobody has heard of and has never been put together. Like it's this, you know, like AI, right? They're like, okay, well, if I have to innovate, it has to be this like bright, shiny new thing that people have never heard of. And I love to give this example about Reese Witherspoon and what she's done. Uh, So if you haven't been following her, this one has taken a book club, which is has been around since books have been around, I'm pretty sure. So who knows? And she's taken it and pivoted it into an opportunity for her to own movie rights and sell those to Netflix, Hulu, et cetera, et cetera. And I like to use this example because it's a book club, y'all. Like it really is a book club. When you go to the website, it is a book club. They've got the books that they're going to talk about, all that stuff. And she's tweaked it in her realm of movies right? So she's taken what she knows, what she's good at, what she understands and tweaked it to then support her genius. I want to encourage y'all that a lot of times it is not this brand new thing that you have to figure out. It is usually something that already exists that needs a little shift. And I'll give an example personally that I'm doing is I have some clout in the VIP day world and Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. And (laughs) so, you know, I have been very, I guess, diligent about just like what I define a VIP day as. And the number one hurdle and the number one objection was, but what about my recurring revenue? And I was like, y'all, like I had recurring revenue from VIP days because I had referral partners and I inserted myself into their client journey. So In my brain, it was recurring revenue, but it it wasn't able to register. So then, oddly enough, I was at a mastermind meeting and the person facilitating was like, I think where we're going is number one, done for you service providers are about to blow up. So get excited about that. This person owns multiple portfolio companies and multiple industries. So the fact that that was being said, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And number two is she was like, get out of the software game. And think about how you can have really great recurring revenue that's high without software. And like, I don't know why this question was a light bulb, but then all of a sudden I just saw like recurring VIP days. It isn't something that I necessarily think is completely brand new. I have kind of somewhat shared how to do that, but I all of a sudden felt this like draw to like really lean in and figure it out and like put it together. And so now I'm doing a bootcamp around that. But again, I've been talking about VIP days forever. So the VIP day is not new. However, how I'm positioning it and how I'm able to help people structure it to support their goals of recurring revenue is new for me and my audience anyway. So I want to encourage you that, again, sometimes it comes from those light bulb moments, but a lot of times it comes from just tweaking, positioning, asking interesting questions, thinking about things in a different light, going to a different industry. Like I believe it was Michaela talking about people who are looking for freelancers and contractors. There's so much abundance of opportunity if you just tweak, shift, try some things. And again, somebody else talked about doing things wrong. I think it was Melissa. Get rid of doing things wrong. I've done things wrong many, many times, failed many, many times and had some successes, right? So I would not have the successes if I didn't put myself out there to try and fail, get back up and try again. That's what we tell our kids to do. And that's something that that we can live out in our businesses. That reminds me of just, you know, the innovation itself and getting in front of people and asking them. I used to think, I mean, it was a routine deal that we did inside of corporate, which were focus groups. And you'd pull these random people together and you'd ask them all the same questions and you'd leave with a whole lot of ideas. And it's like, why do we not take that practice and do that here? You know, we do this in surveys and all of these like easy tools where we're using software to make it easy for us so that we don't have to get time on people's calendars and we don't have to curate, you know, And let me tell you what happens when you do this right here, getting people face to face and you're asking them questions, way, way, way more rich 
conversations, ideas, and innovation actually takes place here. Because as you guys are talking, I'm expanding me, right? I'm thinking of all the new ideas and ways and industries and things I can teach my people that I know, but I haven't, it hasn't sat until you opened your mouth and you shared what you have going on. So going back to what feels old school, but you know, old is new, right? (laughs) They keep telling me that 50 is the new 30. So I'm going for that. But you know, that same philosophy of what, yeah, Emily just said the nineties are back. No joke. I won't even go there with my teenage daughter and the clothes she's pulling off because I wore those. (laughs) But anyway, I think that tapping into old and making old new again in the ways of business, we heard it at the very beginning, ladies, how many of us did live events or are doing live events now? We completely took those out for the last three years right? And maybe at some point we were like, oh, maybe we can do that again because we know the results and the transformations that happen face-to-face, right? That was not even something that we were willing to consider over the last three years. And today, this year, I think all of us have done something to be in front of our audience face-to-face, you know, nose-to-nose. All right, Tasha, what do you have? Yeah, I want to start with the whole conversations with clients or potential clients because I have always thought that that is an amazing part of strategy and do it probably a couple times a year. I'll say like, hey, I'm looking to have conversations with people who launch or have conversations with agency owners. And I make it very clear that I'm not trying to sell them anything. I just want to ask them some questions, right? And I think the key is often in the follow-up questions too, because we know our industry and our services so inside out that a lot of times we forget the details that are important for our potential clients and the things that our potential clients need and also don't know. So there's a lot of opportunity to pull out what I like to call client words in that and then repurpose those within your whole sales process, right? And how you're talking to your clients and within your messaging. The biggest thing I'm seeing is a reevaluation of value ladder in terms of, I think that chunking down services, not retooling your entire suite of services, but chunking them down is something that I'm suggesting to a lot of the agency owners that I work with, as well as even doing within my own agency. So our signature service for Launch Guild is full service launch support, but that's a $15,000 price tag, right? And so If it is a newer course creator, they may not be ready for $15,000, but they may be ready for a combination of a couple of our intensives or VIP days. So whereas before, I think I was a little bit stringent in terms of like, you have option A, B, or C. Now it's like, okay, how can we combine the options still within our wheelhouse, still don't have to create any new SOPs or anything like that? but how do we make it so that it's customizable to them while still being easy for us to replicate in a really great way? The other thing that I am seeing and suggesting, we actually just had in Agency Thrive Mind, we had a guest come in to talk about corporate contracts because that's something that we've all mentioned in some way or another multiple times, but a lot of the agency owners were like, I don't even know where to start. Like, where do I find these people? Like, do I have to like live on LinkedIn? Like, what do I need to do? And so really thinking in terms of how can you widen the amount of people that are seeing your offers and not really differentiate, but like have more opportunity for when small, like micro small businesses are getting really tight with their money Corporate is going to, yes, feel what's going on in the economy, but maybe not to the same extent or maybe in a different way. So they'll still have the cash flow to support hiring you in some capacity, potentially. And then the last thing is specializations. So specialization, always super important, especially in tough economies, because I think it was Jordan mentioned, there are always going to be things that like people still need done and that they can't do themselves. And so when I'm talking to like my launch tech specialist, I'm like, you know what? Anybody can learn ConvertKit. Like I love ConvertKit as a tool, but it's really easy for somebody to say, you know what? I don't have the money to pay you to upload my emails and to create tags anymore. But not everybody can learn Access Ally or Entreport or Infusionsoft or whatever it's called, keep these days, right? Those really high tech specializations are going to support you even in tough economies because 
businesses still have to run and a CEO trying to be in Entreport all the dang day or in Access Ally is not going to be the highest and best use of their time. And so really think in terms of how can I specialize to the extent that like they're going to need me in some capacity long-term. Tasha, that was so awesome. And at the end of the day, I would say that the word that sat on me at the end of 2022 was innovation. And it really is the thing when you are seeing, whether it's service providers, small business, big business, if they're still in the game and they're still fighting to stay in the game, it is because they have been agile. It's because that they have been willing to innovate. Even if you have a pattern like me, where you like comfort, stability, you like you know to do the one thing, the one thing is not going to always get you where you need to go. And I had to take a dose of my own medicine this year and push myself out of that comfort zone. Now to the outside world, you don't see a lot of offers. You don't even see much of a value stack for me, but I can tell you internally, it looks really, really, really different here. And we're prepping to do more things than we have ever done in 2024. So let us wrap up this episode. I would love for you guys to come back next week and listen to part two, where we're going to be talking all about and giving you guys strategies, giving you some things that are rolling around in our minds for what we are doing, what we see the market needing from us as we look forward in 2024. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.